hey, Luke, have you ever been sitting just doing some work or relaxing and suddenly your phone goes off and it's an amber alert? Yeah. So that signifies that someone's missing. Maybe a small child is missing or an elderly person is missing. And then we all know what it means and we know what to do, which is to keep our eyes peeled, report anything we see. That's a help chain. Hmm. Have you ever uh, just been watching TV and your dog starts barking? Maybe the dog's out in the backyard or maybe in another room and oh, starts yeah. barking. So the dog is very worried about something like the squirrels are going to attack or a mailman's trying to break in or something. It's another help chain. What you know is something's wrong. Something's up. And you need to investigate yep. it. It's another it. form of help chain. Anyway, today on the TPL show, we're going to talk about help chains. Help chains. And how to use them at right. work. Like this it. is Dave Cahill. I'm Luke Weber. And welcome to the TPL Show. Welcome to the TPL Show, a podcast dedicated to the study and discussion of leadership. Join us as we share relevant, simple, and lasting methods for improvement that can be used to lead from any level in any organization. All right, talking about help chains today, uh, we'll continue with our what, why, how. So let's talk about what is a help chain. So a help chain is a structured and highly visual accountability system used to communicate and restore interruptions to flow. Mm. So that's the standard definition of help sure. chain. We obviously heard a couple of examples uh, on the show introduction, but we're going to get into a few more details of what they are, uh, why they're important, and how we can use them. Yeah, great. I like help chains. And of course, in Avenulo, we call them reverse cascades. Hmm. And the reason we do is because usually when there's a call that goes out for help or people are activated to get involved in something, it tends to come from the top, top down, from the highest ranking people right. down. Um, into the organization. But a help chain, or as we call it, a reverse cascade, is the opposite. It starts at the gemba, the place where value is added for the customer, that, that point in the operation where things are happening and so forth. It starts there and it moves up and it calls for help from people further and further away from the gemba as the issue becomes more and more urgent or uh, bigger and bigger. Got it. So um, help chains are very, very effective in um, driving um, flow and making sure that flow is continuous and in clearly earmarking accountability and so forth. So I'm really excited to talk about them. Awesome. So why are these? So let's talk about why help chains are important. Sure. So in our last show, we talked about <clears throat> three different reasons of why um, why things are important. So you have rational, emotional, and tangible. Yeah, so, these kind of three different types of why, right? Yep. Rational, emotional. I like that. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I hope we'll stick with that as sure. a process. Yeah. So rational reason, what's that? So the, the rational reason why help chains are important is they ensure everybody knows when an interruption to flow occurs and 
who's accountable to restore that flow. Okay. So um, that's the, the rational reason. Just very simple. An interruption has occurred. It's a signal. It's a marker. It's a color, You know, a noise, whatever it is. Yep. But um, we all get it. An interruption has occurred. And we know then by the nature of the system we've designed, who's accountable to restore that flow. Okay. Makes sense. What about the emotional reason? So the emotional reason kind of, in, in this case, maybe you might say the organizational reason, right? So alignment is a lot easier when restoring flows identified as an organizational priority. It's amazing to me what can happen. I've seen, for instance, um, you know, the whole reason you're there in an organization, let's say in a factory, is to make throughput, is to get parts out out the door or units out the door yet um we scheduled this training that visit this tour um this um uh, benefits meeting Mm -hmm. all these things Mm -hmm. all at the same day at the same time and there's no one left to run run the process and and to make throughput happen so we can quickly forget our core our core purpose which is to make sure this throughput is going on in an uninterrupted way. And um, alignment is a lot easier around this when you identify uh, throughput flow as a priority, as an organizational priority. It has uh, such priority that there's systems around what happens when it's not flowing, right? right? Um, and, And then addressing interruptions to flow is led in a predetermined way with a clear uh, and concise system, that's um, the emotional reason. So when you have a help chain, it's a lot easier to f- to focus right. alignment around this idea of, um, of flow being a priority and resolving it in a clear and systematic way. Okay. And lastly, the tangible reason. Sure. So when you have a help chain, it makes it much easier for organizations to identify and eliminate root causes mm. of interruptions, uh, root causes of downtime. Right. So over time, because you're getting at those root causes, downtime goes down. And organizations that apply help chains just have 50% less downtime than those that don't. Mm. And this is critical in terms of satisfying the customer, sure. meeting meeting demand, growing, and so forth. And when you're running with very little downtime, you um, have much lower cost of operation. People are less frustrated. Yeah. Um, it's just- Everything's better. Everything's better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like it. So those are the rational, emotional, and tangible reasons of why help chains are important. Hey, Luke, before we go much further, let's um, share an example. You had some nice experience with this idea of help chains in, uh, in a place that you were, you were working. Can you, can you share your experience? Yeah. So the, a great example of an escalation protocol. So we, uh, one of my previous employers, we implemented this on our production lines. Mm-hmm. So the, Concept was very simple. So we had multiple production lines, many, many machines. We had a high level maintenance department that maintained these machines to keep them 
you know, running yeah. at their best all the time. Yeah, I think I know the place you're talking about. I can picture <laughs> the machines just went like in this giant yeah. building and they just went as far as the eye could see yeah. the various lines. Yeah. yeah, so we had a ton of them. And uh, the, the, the product that was made mm-hmm. uh, was a high level product it was already sold so everything that came everything good that came off these production lines mm-hmm. was already sold and essentially was making the company money yeah the demand was really high so everything we needed all the good product that we could get sure so keeping these machines running was a high priority yeah <clears throat> so implementing this escalation protocol helped out in you know many different ways but where I noticed it, and when I say that this was a high-level production facility, is the product or the production levels that we were already operating at mm-hmm. were high yields, right? So yeah. we were very high yield uh, on an annual basis. Mm-hmm. So trying to get that additional 1%, 2% was very difficult to do. So, so you're already kind of up pushing against we, excellent, but you still correct. needed a little more. You needed right? a little because you're always pushing for more, right? Yeah. So and because every ounce of good product coming off the line was additional money for the organization, mm-hmm. that's why it was so important. Yeah. Almost free money because everything exactly. else was covered, the costs were covered. Exactly, right? So yeah. it was whatever we can get, it it could be used. Uh-huh. So the additional one or 2% that we were striving for really made a big difference. So where this helped was it allowed the operators that were working these lines to have a, uh, a set level time to use their knowledge uh, that they had gained or their experience they had gained from working those lines to try to fix the issue right away. Uh-huh. What had happened in the past is if something went wrong, they would immediately pick up the radio, call their supervisor over. The supervisor comes over from the office or from another line, wherever he's at. And then he ends up saying, okay, well, we can't fix this. Um, I'm going to call maintenance. So oh, yeah. calling for maintenance to come check it out. So maintenance has to, you know, they would have two or three guys that were on call that would come assist in these production lines. So you've got some delay while the maintenance guy gets over right. there. So the machine stays down. If maintenance is, if they're in their maintenance shop and they're working on something else in the shop, then yeah, sure. They can leave and come over right away. But they might have also been working on another machine. Right. So they might not get to it right away. So they had to wait for the maintenance guy to come over. He comes over and says, okay, what's going on? If he has had experienced this breakdown or this issue before, then he might be able to fix it right away. Or other times he'd be like, oh, I don't have this part. I can't do anything about it. We're down until, you know, X time. So what this escalation protocol would do is it would, it was immediately noticed that it reduced the amount of time that maintenance had to respond to the production line. Uh-huh. So it allowed the operator and the supervisor uh, more uh, power and control over fixing the issue uh, at the base level right away. So it would allow the maintenance person to continue working on, say, other things like the other production lines or the PM system that would keep the machines running at optimal levels so they would reduce the downtime. So it was this, uh, this, uh, circle of performance that would increase instead of decrease. So instead of a vicious circle, kind of like a victorious yes, circle, there you go. 
And the, the, the heart of that is the operator is charged with fixing it as opposed to just going off and getting a cup of coffee. Yeah, exactly. Unless they, they can, it's beyond them, sure. or they run out of time. Maintenance people then are doing more higher order things with less interruption. Right. And then over time, right. it results in less and less downtime because you have more preventive maintenance, predictive maintenance yeah. going on. Things are getting fixed before they get broken sure. instead of everything being right. an emergency. Operators are learning more and more about how to resolve minor things right. instead of turning everything immediately over to maintenance. Right. It's a it's a, a process that takes some time, but the 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 net result was what? It turned into a less downtime. Yeah. Right. So it was um, probably about 10 to 15%. Oh my gosh. That's and that, huge. And that was at that level, it was huge. It doesn't yeah. sound like a lot, but when you're at the high, in a high yield situation where every additional slight percentage that you can get out of your production process, it was huge. Yeah. Yeah. So that additional 10 to 15% of reduced downtime was direct dollars on the bottom line for this organization. So this is setting up expectations about who's responsible, who's accountable, the difference between the two, having that process in place. It's culture. Yeah. It's culture, right? Absolutely. It's the design of culture that promotes this idea of resolving interruptions to flow in the most effective way. Right. And then over time, you get this march towards excellence. Yeah, yeah it's good. It worked yeah. out great. Yeah, that's that's a great example. Thanks for sharing it. Yeah, no problem. So let's talk a little bit about the how. Okay. So how would we, or how how would someone or an organization implement a help chain? Yeah. Right. All right. So we've got kind of a checklist yep. in in Avenulo, and you can um, you can get our our blue paper. A link to our blue paper on this will be in the show notes. It's uh, entitled Everything You Need to Implement Help Chains. So it's got all the the details and tools and stuff that you would need. And that talks about reverse cascades as well. Yeah, right? it yep. does. So the the first thing to do is kind of understand the concepts, right? Yep. So the the three main concepts are the the visual workplace. What is a visual workplace? How can you use visual cues to communicate status? progress, lack of progress, what's next, what just happened, and so forth. Um, and so this idea of visual thinking and visual um, workplace, you can um, review um, this this book by uh, Gwendolyn Galsworth, Visual Workplace, Visual Thinking. It's got all the ins and outs of how to use um, visual cues, colors, mm. shapes, all that to set up your workplace in a highly visual way, which is very, very good for human beings. Human beings respond to that very well. Also, of course, you can look at the very classic work by uh, Hiroyuki Hirano, The Five Pillars of the Visual Workplace. This is about 5S, and um, we'll do a show on 5S. Oh, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about 5S. That's a staple of lean. But this this idea of things like shadow boards yeah. and color coding and so forth is so, embedded in 5S and very useful. So we've talked about these, the concepts of help chains. Yeah. What you've described, I see a lot of those in manufacturing environments. Yeah. So uh, production line systems. Uh -huh. I was talking about it. one instance that 
pops to mind is when I toured the Toyota plant in Georgetown, Kentucky. Uh-huh. Right. So <clears throat> obviously they use a ton of visual cues. They use screens up on the walls. They use red, yellow, green stoplights to yeah. indicate production statuses, sure. right? So if something were to go wrong, like this Andon system, it just flags a a light. Yeah. And somebody knows to be looking for that light if something's up. Yes. And they will come address it, whether it's a maintenance or a production supervisor or an operator. Yeah, incredibly effective. But yeah, so it just keeps things running so smoothly. Obviously Toyota TPS is known for their um known for their system. Yeah. And so implemented at their plant. It uses a lot of these visual concepts um, that help chains also. Right. Use. So you kind of a, a second core concept you touched on yep. it is Andon. Mm-hmm. Andon is just the Japanese word for a like a paper lantern, mm. right? So um, a light. Yep. And oftentimes you'll see Andons used as red, yellow, green. Yeah. So uh, green is everything's great. Yellow is we have some trouble, but I think. I as the operator can resolve it, sure. and red is we either have trouble that I as the operator can't resolve, or uh, the process is stopped for some reason, and but we don't want it to be stopped. We want it to be running. So you can design your own red, yellow, green. You can use different colors, but the the this concept of andon is the second yeah. core concept that we want to learn in the idea of help chains, and it's very embedded in lean and lean methodology. And the interesting thing about Andon is it's operator controlled. So the person or Mm. people at the Gemba, those that are doing that work, they're adding that value, they select the state of the Andon. Is it green? Is it yellow? Is it red? Whatever colors they're using, you know, but they select the status and switch it to another status when they sense a change. And this creates a lot of attention, empowerment, and accountability. Sure. Right? Uh, and so then the third is to learn this idea about reverse cascades and how accountability to resolve issues should go up the organization and not down. Bottom up. Yep. So as the issue, the, the, the cause of the problem, let's say, is more and more uncovered and we see that the people at that place can't resolve it, we should then escalate accountability right. for resolving it further and further up the organization until it reaches a level that um, it can be resolved. The, the very interesting thing here about this idea of reverse cascades is, but we never absolve responsibility. So we talk about the difference between responsibility and accountability. Responsibility are people uh, those who are responsible are people who do the work, do the work of resolving the problem. Those who are accountable are the people who suffer or enjoy the consequence of failure or success. Mm-hmm. Those can be the same people right. or different people. So, for instance, when the operator is trying to resolve a machine issue, um, they're responsible and accountable. In reverse cascade, maybe we give someone 30 minutes, maybe right. 15 minutes. Who, who knows? Set, it de- yeah, right? set period give of time. Give them a set period of time. If the operator can't resolve the issue in that period of time, or at any time they think it's just not possible for them to resolve it ever, then they 
switch it to the next level and escalate it up and escalate it and someone else becomes accountable to resolve the problem but the operator never loses responsibility so they must keep working alongside of the new person that's joined that's now accountable and that group grows as the accountability escalates right so this is this is reverse cascade so so these are the three concepts the concept of visual workplace and how you use visual cues, colors, shapes, and so forth and so on to communicate. The five, uh, or excuse me, the andon, that that specific function of um, indicating what's going on with the help chain, and then this idea of reverse cascade, how accountability moves up the organization. I like the, I like talking about reverse cascades, right? And you, you mentioned something about uh, when we give, let's say, an operator uh, a certain period of time to try to troubleshoot, mm. and if they can't figure it out, or if that certain level can't figure it out, then they escalate it up to the next level. Mm-hmm. What I like about that, and it kind of triggered a thought, is that you're not breaking, how do I want to word this? So you're not breaking the knowledge or the experience train, per se. Mm-hmm. In that handoff, we're right. actually coordinating together yeah. to use that same experience. So, <clears throat> if you don't have this escalation cause or clause in place, or this escalation protocol in place, then you, let's say something goes wrong, and you say you call maintenance or you call somebody else to come fix it, and the original person that was there when the problem occurred is no is no longer there, right. so they don't have that knowledge or the experience to be able to pass on to the person coming to fix yeah. the issue. So this escalation protocol allows both people to be in place at the same time, put their heads together and say, okay, this is what I experienced. This is what happened, X, Y, Z. I've tried this, that, and the other, and that's where I'm at. Yeah, this is critical. So many times without this kind of thing, the escalation protocol in place for a help chain, I see uh, operators on a machine or people who are using an app, for instance, right. call IT, yep. and then they walk away. Yeah, and they're like, they, they walk they away and go hands. get a coffee. Yeah, they right? wash their hands. They're like, ah, I don't even know what's going on. And they're not even there to say, here's what happened. Right. Here's what I tried. I did this. I did that, and so forth. In in this process, you now have someone newly accountable, yeah. but no one has left the responsibility circle, sure. and you keep all working on it together. There's just someone else who's keeps them involved, uh, keeping them involved, mm-hmm. taking charge, bringing in more resources, oh, you like know, that. whatever. That's yeah. good. I think that's really important. Yeah. So learning those three yeah. those three concepts, the, the concepts behind help chains okay. are really important. You can study that with your management team, yeah. go through some... We just offer training, sure. for instance, in... in uh, what this is all about and the, and the core concepts and then how to, to imply it. And, and, and so one way or another, you've got to get those concepts. That's the first step, right? Okay. Then um, the second step, what's the second step? So the second step would be to, you would write a simple, clear, and relevant definition for downtime. Sure. So in downtime is, is simply an interrupt, interruption to flow. Yeah. So in, in, in any organization. Yeah. And there's a, so Avnulo, we have a, a definition of downtime. Yeah. And downtime, that definition is the time that elapses from the last good product made at velocity to the first good product made at velocity. I love that. I love that definition. Is many people have downtime, the definition the machine's not running. And then what happens is rather than go through the 
discomfort of activating the help chain or admitting there's a problem, people can just nurse the process along. Whatever the process is, if you're supposed to be putting out 12 hamburgers a minute, if you're supposed to be making 1,000 cans of soup uh, an hour, if you're supposed to be um, finishing so many insurance policies in a day, whatever it is, if, if it's still running but not at velocity, people can nurse it along and, and never have to trigger the need for help or identify that right. there's an issue. So when you say it's running at velocity, oh man, it's so clear. If I'm supposed to be making 250 of these uh, in an hour and I'm only making 50 in an hour, I'm in downtime, even though the process is still running somewhat. And then up until that's totally resolved, we're back making it at that expected velocity, right. as you said again. And, and so we can use that as kind of our basic definition and then we could customize it for sure. our business, right? Sure. What, if our business is paperwork or it's processing people through a terminal or it's manufacturing yeah. something, right? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be different for every organization yeah. based on what their needs are. Yeah. Okay, so we come up with a, a simple, clear yep. definition, definition for, for downtime. downtime. So the next one is to identify the bottleneck um, and perhaps the major pinch points in your process that would benefit from having help chains in place. You could just say, oh, we'll put help chains in place everywhere. But there are some places where downtime doesn't matter. If uh, downtime in this particular sub-process doesn't matter, because we can catch it up later without losing throughput for the day or the week, then um, going through that that, um, exercise and expending those resources to have a help chain there may not be beneficial. But there's always one place, at least, where if it's down, we're not making any throughput, right? Right. So I, I don't know, in a hamburger place, if the broiler is down, you're not making any hamburgers. I, I guess you're just out of business, right? Um, so um, in, in a manufacturing plant, there's that one place where all the products go through and so forth. So- Whatever that place is, that should definitely be a place where you have help chain. And maybe there's some other pinch points too, but not necessarily every place in the business, right? So what are those places um, that you want to have help chains put in place, right? Those places that really matter. That's the third step. So then um, what's the fourth step? So next would be to design the escalation protocol that we talked about before for your organization. Sure. So identify what that protocol is, what the steps are, what's going to trigger it, who's going to be responsible for it, and develop each step from the ground up. So if something breaks down, if a machine breaks down, then let's say the operator running that machine has a certain amount of time um, to fix it. Yeah. So they're responsible for it. Let's say it's 30 minutes. They can't figure it out in the first 30 minutes, then they raise their hand or escalate it up to the next level. That's let's say that's the supervisor supervisor comes over, looks at it for 30 minutes on their time. They can't figure it out. What's the next step when to send it to maintenance and so on and so forth. Right. Yeah. So that's the escalation protocol that you put in place for each, each area of the business. Like you said, yeah. not all areas need one, but if you have uh, a help, chain in place, then you ha- you should have an escalation protocol to go along with it. So you can create these these kind of levels, level one, level yeah. two, level three. You could have colors around them, green, yellow, orange, red, you know, what, what whatever you want to do there, right? You can hook that up to lights. You can, the lights can 
shine different colors uh, based on what's going on. Uh, But the basic idea is, at this certain level, who's accountable, Mm -hmm. and for how much time until they have to escalate it. What's the next level? Who's accountable? Everyone below is still responsible. responsible. How much time until they have to escalate it? And, And you just create that chart, and that could be a unique chart for each place where you have a help chain. It could be a standardized. Or it could be yeah. standardized for everybody, mm-hmm. whatever makes sense whatever for your works. organization. Like but it. now you have this protocol in place where people know exactly how long, who, all that. What to do. And, and they can move through that process. Yep. And then I, I see organizations do things like uh, at level one, there's no documentation required. At level two, you got to start a downtime card. At level three, you got to start a cause analysis card. Whatever it might be, you yeah. can link it up to requirements for not only who's accountable, but what tools or documentation or you've got to send something to the lab or whatever it is. Yeah. You can uh, specify all that in your escalation protocol. Yeah. That's good. Like all right. So, so far, we've, got, we've gone over the concepts behind help chains. Written a uh, definition. simple definition for downtime. downtime. Yep. Identified the places bottlenecks. where we'd have bottlenecks, right? De- and designed an escalation protocol. protocol so we have something to act against. Um, so the next thing is to actually install the andons. Mm. And an andon is, uh, in, in Japanese, it just means a, a paper lantern. But the idea is a visual signal of some kind. An indicator. Yeah. A flag. Could be anything. Yep. Lamps, flags. Moving a star across a board, yep. whatever it might be. Um, this is specifically visual, correct? Very visual, yep. um, as simple and practical as um, as can be. The people there are in charge of setting it, changing mm-hmm. it from one mm-hmm. uh, level to another. It can, of course, be precisely in line with your escalation protocol, yep. right? So um, you... Design and install these. I tend to recommend starting out very simple, simple. very inexpensive. Sure. Don't invest a lot of time and money yeah. in technology. You can get really complicated and yeah. detailed. And, and then you're then to, the andon yeah. doesn't work and all that, you know. So, you but andon for the andon. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So design and install these andons so they're there and ready to go. So that's okay. the next step. Yep. So once you have everything uh, in place here, then you would move <clears throat> to training. Yeah. Right? So you have to, everybody in your organization needs to know the definitions. They need to know the protocols. They need to know your andons. So you would train them in this help chain concept. Yeah. You train them in the concepts, the definition, which systems you're going to have the help chains on. What's the protocol look like? What to do. How do the andons work? To, right. All the above. You get everybody on the same page about all that. Right. Yeah. Okay. What's next? Okay. Well, then you just kick it off. Just dive in, implement it, practice using it, adjust as you go. If you find some kind of flaw, fix it on the fly, communicate to everybody, but just practice it for about 30 days. And I think it's important to note here is that it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. Because you can always change it. That's right. Because you can be paralyzed trying to make this perfect. Yeah. Just get it going. Kick get it the off. spirit Simple. into the organization. That's the idea. The spirit is this idea of the reverse cascade, the priority around there's been an interruption of flow, so we're we're going to focus on restoring flow and 
uh, practicing using this system to communicate that. So after you've done it for about 30 days, do a process check. Pull everybody together. What was supposed to happen? What actually happened? What do you want to do about it? Yeah. So not only are you adjusting as you go, then you have these set points. It could be 30, 60, 90 days. It could be all the above. Yeah. And come back and just check the entire process. Yeah. Say, is this working? Or what is working? What is not working? Where do we need to make adjustments? Yeah. Make those changes. And do do it we all need over to retrain? Are there yeah. people new to the sure. to the place that we need to bring them up to speed on this and so forth? Then after that, every quarter or so, have a short check in, a process check about yeah. this to make sure this thing keeps humming and it's working right. Decide if it's still the same definition. Look at the places where you have help chains. Are they still relevant? Do you want to change that yeah. a little bit? Do you want to make any? Not. Yeah, you want to yeah. make any fine tuning? Yeah, like it. Um, and so forth. So that's how you establish that's help good. chains. Right? That's real good. All right, so that pretty much wraps it up for help chains. Uh, so we talked about what it was, why are they important, and how we implement them and how we put them into practice. So as always, we want you guys to try this stuff out. We want you guys to try to implement something. Uh, let us know how it goes. Email us, info at tplshow.org. Uh, give us feedback. Let us know how it went, your experiences, um, what they are. If you have questions, please reach out to us. We love, we would love to hear from you. Check the, check the show notes. Absolutely. Check uh, the there's show notes. great resources in there that uh, can help you get this going. Yeah, we'll have some links in there for you guys to check out. And uh, also, give us a like. Share, review, send us a review on uh, your platform. Do all the things. We appreciate it. Thank you all. Talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the TPL Show. We hope you'll apply what you learned today and tell us how it went. If you want to share, want more information, or have questions, please contact us at info at tplshow.org. Have a great day.